Hey guys, welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast. Episode 4 is now live. Uh, we're going to have a special announcement on today's episode, but before we do that, I'm going to announce our friends here. We have our buddy Alex, Hunter, and Paul. Hey. What's up? Hey. So uh, we're going to get right into it uh, this afternoon. We're filming this on Saturday. And this afternoon, we were at a uh, bat demo for the LV Bat Company, um, and they were doing a raffle, and we are going to announce the raffle winner. And the winner of the raffle, uh, with the prize being a free bat, is Pete Rispoli. So, Congratulations, uh, man. This will go live uh, Sunday morning, so you'll see that then. We'll also post on our Instagram Sunday morning as well. So congrats to him. He's a uh, from Manalpin. He's a, a big SG supporter, so we're happy about that. Um, we're going to get right into it like we always do. We're going to talk some Knicks here, and I want to have Paul take it away on the Knicks being 18 and 17 at the break. Knicks are 18 and 17. I mean, first time I think we're – over 500, the All-Star break since 2014, you know, big accomplishment. Obviously, Julius Randle's had a big part of that. Last couple of games, you've seen R.J. Barrett really step up. And I think uh, he's now becoming the second option on this team. And I, I think if he solidifies himself as that second option, I don't think we'll have a problem getting to the playoffs this year. Maybe even, you know, competing for a first-round win, which I'd love to see the Knicks try to compete for a first-round win. But I think, you know – Tom Thibodeau just got to fix his – I understand the way he works it. He wants you to work your, your butt off in practice in order to get earn your playing time. But quickly or Rose needs to start at point guard. Alfred Payton's a bench point guard. He makes himself better and a little bit of his teammates better. But it's not it, – he's not going to get the job done for us late in the season. So, John, I want to ask you, who do you think you should – if you were Tom Thibodeau, who would you start at point guard right now? Well, I mean, I think the answer is obvious, but I mean, I understand Tom Thibodeau's decision right now to be with Peyton. It's only because he wants to give uh, quickly time to learn, and he's got that set offense. But I think the answer is either Emmanuel Quickly or Derrick Rose, like you pointed out. Uh, I, I don't think the answer is Derrick Rose for this reason. I don't think he is built to go 30 minutes anymore. That's not who he is. I don't think his body can handle it physically. Um, and, you know, with Peyton's injury a couple days ago, you saw that Rose, although played well, He's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to do that for a whole season. Uh, eventually, he's going yeah, to wear out. Yeah, so yeah. if you can limit that and you can have him soak up all that energy and try to play as best he can for maybe 20 to 25 minutes a game, even that's pushing a little bit. So I, I, I think quickly is the answer there. Uh, but I just want to talk about the dunk contest a little bit. Uh, the Knicks finally having some representation in the All-Star Weekend. We have Julius Randle in the skills competition. Uh, and Julius the All-Star in the All-Star game. As well as Obi Toppin in the dunk contest. So uh, – I, it's a little stupid to me, but uh, I think that we should probably pick a winner. So I'm going to go, obviously, with Obi Toppin. His dad was a dunk contest. Not a dunk contest champion, but he was known for his dunking. I think he had a nickname relating to dunking. So I'm hoping he does something cool. The only thing that's killing him is that he's tall. So usually the smaller guards who do the same dunk look much cooler because they have to jump higher. It's just how it is. But, uh, Paul, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I mean, obviously I want to say Obi Toppin's going to win this, but I think Cassius Stanley is a phenomenal dunker from what I've seen from his high school and him being in the G League tapes. I think he's a phenomenal dunker, and I think he's just going to pull something crazy out of his bag. But I, I just want to go back to the Knicks real quick. Um, I saw a couple things on Instagram, and Taj Gibson just got hurt, and we're still waiting for Mitch Robinson to come back. He's coming Kyle back O'Quinn. late in March. So who would you want to go after, John, since I know Blake Griffin just became a free agent would you be like against signing him for a cheap contract? Absolutely. I don't want to mess with the, the current uh, 
you know, mesh of the team that we currently have. And if I'm going to bring in anybody, I think I just said it. Kyle O'Quinn is the perfect guy. We don't need he's a long term. St- he's stuck in Europe. I don't want to hear it. I don't want, I, I don't want to hear this. He can get out of Europe. The Knicks have interest in him. He commented on that Knicks central Instagram post with a little like eyes emoji. Like, yes, I'd like to come here. That's basically what that means. He's the perfect guy. He's been with some of these players. He knows the organization. He doesn't know the coach, but he knows the organization. He's going to mesh right in just like Taj Gibson did, just like the other guys that signed like New Orleans Joel did. He's a perfect coach. He's a coach's favorite player. I think Blake Griffin is a star or was a star. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau is not the guy to have a star player on your team. He's not meant for, you know, 30 to 31-year-old players who are uh, near exiting their prime. Griffin has had a horrible year this year. It would be the most Knicks thing ever to pick him up on a contract, whether it's the minimum. I, I really don't care. I think that that's a complete waste of your of your money, and it, it's kind of hurting your team's overall core. I, I agree. I agree. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the team chemistry we have right now. You know, we're we're meshing well. We're playing well currently, and if we keep this up, I'm I, the playoffs are calling our name right now. So I mean, as long as we just stay on the pace we're going on right now, five hundred in the East as bad as it sounds is making the playoffs. So it's scary though, because like if we're 18 and 17 right now, let's say the Knicks come out of the break and lose two games. We're the 10 seed. I don't even think we are. I think we're still in the playoffs. Yeah. But it well, 10 seed is the playoff. They got that 10 to seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's I wouldn't even count that, but it's, it's kind of scary how like meh the East is. You lose a couple games, you're falling out, other than the top three teams, maybe the top four. So the East is basically almost the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks, and then just a f- complete fall Mesh. off. Mesh. I think the Knicks were the, I think the Knicks were the four seed for a little bit. I don't yeah. know if they still are. I think they might be the five now. Five, but, probably the five at 18. So yeah, I, th- I think I think we're the five now, but the Knicks were the four seed, which just shows that yeah. you know clearly I mean the, the, uh, I don't want to face the top three. It, you no, know, those teams no. are probably beating the Knicks. I, I don't see that Knicks taking down the team in a five, in a seven. A, I think it's seven game series. Yeah, LDS, but I I don't think they'll be able to contend for seven. They could sneak a couple games and maybe against the team like yeah, the Sixers. Yeah. I don't know. The Sixers are very good, but you know they're kind of vulnerable offensively. Yeah. If Joel Embiid's mm-hmm. having a tough night, and you know they Joel Embiid also has to stay healthy. Joel Embiid, yeah. I don't think he's had a healthy season, and for like yeah. I think he's ever had a, a a game a season where he's played most of the games. I think he's been hurt a lot. And him staying healthy is not something that's been easy. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to touch on one more basketball thing. Uh, three-point contest. Who do we think is going to win the three-point contest oh, this God. year? Uh, isn't Devin Booker hurt? Because that was my pick. But Devin now Booker since, is hurt. Since he's hurt, I'm going Zach Levine. That's who I put on my Bleacher Report picks app. Uh, I, I think Zach Levine probably has the best chance. I, I mean, not the best chance, but I think he's like an underrated pick. I know Steph Curry's great. But I just feel like one of these times he has to not be good. Maybe he has an off day. So that's a complete guess. I'm not really big on the on the three-point contest, but I guess Zach Levine would be my pick. I'm, I'm gonna go dark horse Donovan Mitchell. I don't Oof. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I uh I don't know if I like the pick. I just I don't want to pick Steph Curry because it seems like too obvious of an answer yeah. for it to actually come true. So I wanna go with somebody who I don't think is gonna win it. And if he does, <laughs> cool. But if he doesn't, like I understand. Like Donovan Mitchell's an all right shooter. I don't think he's a great shooter, mm-hmm. but I mean, if he you know pulls off a couple good rounds or you know plays against a couple bad opponents, then I mean he could he could go far in it. The only reason I'd say uh, I like the Donovan Mitchell pick is because he is a Mets fan. And speaking of Mets and Yankees, I'm gonna have Hunter bring us into our next topic regarding the Mets uh, and Yankees preseason thoughts as well as the record predictions. Hunter. 
All right, so I'm someone who basically, whenever the Yankees are playing, I'm just going to go in and watch it. And what I've seen, I mean, it's been ups and downs. I mean, I, first I'm going to bring in Debbie Garcia. I'm really not trying to feel about him. He gave up two runs and I think one or two innings. Granted, right. you can't really put much weight on pitchers during spring training because they're just trying to work on their craft, not really going 100%. A couple things I have seen that I absolutely love about spring training is that, one, DJ Mayhew doesn't look like he's slowed down at all. He just has foot on the gas pedal. He just keeps hitting, never stops. Gary Sanchez, I don't want to say he's back because it's been, what, five games, but he looks very good. He's catching up to the high fastball, which really just gave him hell the entire year. And uh, Clint Frazier hit a ball into the parking lot today. That ball was absolutely crushed. Really just the hitters are looking good. Guys like Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce went deep today. Honestly, just the acquisitions are really looking pretty good. I really don't have anything to say. Uh, I think the only thing I'll say offensively, I don't even say this about the Mets, I'll, I'll touch on them. I think that the offense early is going to explode just because these pitchers have not thrown enough live at bat pitches. So like you said, guys working on their craft, like Garrett Cole, who against the double a team couldn't even get out of the second inning, which was uh, fun to see, even though, even though DeGrom was working on his craft, and was able to go two innings with three K's, but you know, that's besides the point they are working on their craft, I guess. Uh, but I think that the Mets offensively have also been a force to be reckoned with, uh, you know, a couple guys. Calm down. Calm down. I, I think Calm so down. Paul. Brandon Nimmo. I love Br- Brandon, Nimmo Brandon Nimmo looks hot. Brandon Nimmo looks look great. Dom Smith had a bomb. J.D. Davis has been hitting well. Alonzo's finding his groove. He had a home run, a grand slam, and a double. Um, some other offensive power horses that you wouldn't think of. Kevin Pillar has been pretty good. Albert, Albert Almora. Almora. He yeah. couldn't get a hit for if his life depended on it last year with the Cubs. And out of nowhere, starting to pre- spring training pretty hot. So, And I think the Mets pitching has also been uh, pretty well. I, th- I think I think Marcus Stroman pitched well. Um, I wasn't able to watch DeGrom's game. No one could, but I, after watching the highlights, he's hitting yeah, 99, he looked, 100. He, he good. Yeah, he I, good. I'm not worried yeah. about him. Uh, the bullpen still kind of scares me, although they've looked good. Diaz, unsurprisingly, or sorry, surprisingly, had a clean inning. Um, I don't even think he gave up a hit. He had a K, so that was good. By the way, by the way, by the way, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but no Dellon Batansis needs to get cut. Oh my I will God. not cut watch him. that man pitch bag of in the regular season. Trade him for a bag of balls. I, I rather have a 10-pack of big league chew in my yeah. dugout than Dellon yeah. Batansis. Same with Jerry Familia. His sinker, you know, it's a great pitch, whatever. Throw it for a strike once in your life. <laughs> he can't get a single pitch to go for a strike. Everything he throws, dip, ball, dip, ball, dip, ball. James McCann has to be God behind the plate to even get a lick of the balls. And, and even Sandy, has been, has Sandy Alderson good. on ESPN is like, this dude needs to throw a strike. And I agree. So, Sandy, do the right thing and trade these cut guys him. for, like, bags no, of baseballs. No, just maybe, cut them. Maybe a bullpen seat for an extra reliever. Uh, you know, there we go. I, I really don't care. I, 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 I'm tired of seeing it. Bring some reliever up who's a younger guy. Maybe that lefty's a Pootski or whatever his name is. I, I really Not don't Drew care. Smith. Bring up somebody. Not Drew Smith. I'll Not find Drew with Smith. Drew You know what? I, I think Drew Smith at the start of 2020 actually pitched pretty well. I'm willing to give the home run to Gary Sanchez. I can't watch Dallin Batantis pitching more. I can't watch Familia anymore. But I will talk about one reliever here. Actually, Al will. Sorry, I cut him off there. But Al has a point to make. We're going to do our Mets-Yankees debate series here. So, Al, uh, take it away. All right. Um, we're going to give a debate on Chapman and Edwin Diaz. Um, oh. I'm going to start it off. You know, Chapman – um, has a lot more pitch. You know, you could go into depth with that. I mean, Edwin Diaz is probably what fastball slider. Chapman's been working on new stuff. He could go to his 
more off speed. He, he entered a splitter last year that I thought was actually pretty well. Um, and I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think I'd rather have Chapman in a big situation. I think Edwin Diaz is going to learn. I think he did kind of learn last year in the shorn season, how to deal with New York. And um, that's all I've got. Well, Al, I, th- I think you've got a good point with Chapman working on his pitches, but it doesn't matter when Mets like J.D. Davis are taking him deep at City Field. I think yes, sir. Roldis Chapman is a washed major league pitcher. You know, oh, throwing, God, no. he used to throw 101, right? He's down to now 100, 99, 98, 97. Oh, oh, I need you to listen. You could name 12 to 15 relievers that throw exactly as hard as him. So what he's throwing is no longer out of imaginary. You know, even Edwin Diaz touches those at, at times. And I think Edwin Diaz is the better pitcher for not just now, but in the next three to four years. Well, Edwin yeah, Diaz that's also because Edwin Diaz is younger. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, though, I'm not Edwin, Diaz, up for Ed. Edwin Diaz is much younger. He's got more movement on his pitches. He's got more effectiveness. He can work on his craft for longer. And Aroldis Chapman, in the next two years, maybe is in the MLB. That might be a strong take, but seriously, if his velo decreases even a little more, if he's only up to 95, 96, 97, you can't call him a closing pitcher anymore. He's a seventh-inning guy at that point. He smiles way too much after giving up home runs. I I think that's – I I don't even know if that's a smile. It's kind of like a what-did-I-just-do kind of face, like, you know, Altuve – Mike Brasso, all these no names. Well, too big, I guess, is a name, but he, he annoys me. He annoys everybody. But, you know, it, it's crazy how many home runs he gives up. And, and Diaz, listen, I can't defend Diaz with the home runs. But what I will say is he had a very good 2020, 1.7 something ERA. He was basically shut down all year. He had 50 strikeouts through 29 innings, I believe, which would have put him on pace for about 130, I think, even in, the, in, a, in a 162 season. Um, I don't know if my math's completely right there, but that's uh, kind of what I'm predicting. I think DS could have a very good year. The only thing holding it back is the depth of the Mets bullpen in terms of closing pitching. So I don't yeah. think you're going to see Diaz in a major closing role. If he's a little cold or he's not pitching great, Seth Lugo's warming up in the bullpen. He's your closing Seth pitcher. Seth Lugo's hurt currently, isn't he? I, Seth Lugo's hurt. He'll probably be back close to, to opening day. So maybe see okay. Diaz as the closer for a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I think you could see Diaz more of an eighth inning guy but I still think overall in the next three years, you're looking at Diaz as the overall better pitcher. Maybe you can make the argument now, but I think Chapman's starting to become washed. Yeah, I could see Diaz being the better pitcher, but I think the argument here is who's the better closer. And Edwin Diaz, he just can't close a game. Like, you, I've heard the argument that oh, Chapman definitely can close a game in the playoffs. Yeah. But since 2017, the man's only let up four runs in the playoffs. Like, Sure, and all four of them have four been runs in the losing playoffs. a series. There are four since runs in the playoffs since 2017. How many games has he appeared in where it's that like he he's lost. closing? That he Those lost. four runs are what? A home run? Altuve. Another home run. Mike Brusso, home run. And then two more. I don't know where you slot those in. I'm sure Yank- obsessed Yankee fans know about that. But I think that it doesn't matter how many runs you give up. It's the uh, level of importance to the run. So I think some of Diaz's home runs that he gives up, they're important in the regular season. But I think a main issue is if the Mets ever do get to the postseason, I think I'd rather have Edwin Diaz there because he's so, like, clueless. I mean, I don't even think of he'll know it's a postseason game. Maybe he just thinks it's like a spring training game <laughs> out there and strikes out three. You never know with Diaz. It could be three straight strikeouts or it could be walk, walk, home run. You don't know. So, I don't know. Maybe if you're, if you're a gambler or something, maybe you like Diaz. I don't know. Let's just hope he doesn't have a three-run lead with Kurt Suzuki up at bat. Yeah, or like uh, Aaron nine, Hicks. It was and, nine. Like, runs. You know, Aaron Hicks yeah. would kind of be scary. That was a 
Yeah, Aaron Hicks is pretty scary. What too. about what about Marshall Ozuna three two on the black? Yeah. It was that was a uh, that hit the Jeff McNeil's cardboard cutout dog. That was nice. But you know the funniest thing about Diaz is when he gives up a home run, he's got this face. I, I wish I knew, everybody could see my camera where it's like his hands go up in the air and his hat's kind of tilted, and he looks like he's like trying to swat a fly. Like he just can't believe what's happened. Hey, hey John, I, I I don't mean to cut you off real quick, but uh, I'm looking at MLB uh, Network here and. Uh, the Mets have just announced Jacob DeGrom as their opening day starter. I think that's a shocker for oh me. Oh, my God. Wow. Are you serious? Jacob DeGrom. Wow. I, I didn't know. I was, I was I thinking really. maybe I was thinking maybe Taiwan Walker slots in nah, there. I thought Joey Lucchese was going to start Joey Lucchese with man. his 5'7 ERA. Yeah. I was thinking that yeah. too, maybe. Yeah, maybe he like tests out guys. I mean, Noah Syndergaard, not even ready to go. Maybe he like throws out the first pitch underhand, and then then you give it to DeGrom after. It's really up to us. Uh... All right, stop this nonsense. This is, this is <laughs> out of hand. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to finish with Val wants answers. Bring and... it back. Like, we finally brought it back. Um, my – uh-oh, My question for today, got is what is what is what is your favorite rivalry throughout the whole sports? Um, I'm gonna start it off real quick. Oh, I'm gonna sorry, sorry. I'm gonna say that um that um <laughs> uh, my favorite rivalry is going to be. I'm not gonna say Yankees Red Sox because that's too generic, but I'm gonna say an upcoming one is the Dodgers and Padres. You know, got. Hella young talent, you know, guys are going to be locked up there for a long time. And I don't know, this, this feel in California is going to be different and new, you know, both great places to play at. And um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it off there. Uh, I think, Paul, you can go after me, but I've got a good one that nobody's nobody is going to say because I don't think you guys are hockey fans. Bears trying to get into it. I think I'm the most well-rounded with uh, sports in general, but hockey, there's something going with that Rangers-Flyers rivalry. It's, it's something that doesn't get talked about as much just because it's not one of the – it's the fourth lowest, I guess, of the four majors. It's not talked about as much. Rangers-Flyers is a rivalry kind of like Yankees-Red Sox. They do not like each other. Fights constantly, winter classic battles, playoff moments. You had one of the Rangers uh, no-names who I, I couldn't even name, but I love the guy because he was flipping off uh, Flyers fans in the stands in a playoff game. So, you know, I got to kind of respect that. I hate Philadelphia fans in general, but something about Flyers fans makes me so angry. I, I just can't explain it. And there was nothing better than, you know, going to games like a winter classic game I went to in 2012, I think it was, and the Rangers came back from down two. And it was at Citizens Bank Park outside. And the reaction from the Rangers fans is just pure joy because it's kind of like winning. It's like winning your own little Stanley Cup when you beat the, the stupid Flyers. I, I can't, I don't even know how much I can express how much I hate them, but I think that's probably the best rivalry in all sports. Uh, so um, I'm going to stick with the uh, the Philadelphia terrible fan theme. You know, I'm a diehard Giants fan, and uh, ever since I went to a Giants game in 2017 and a guy spilled a beer on me for celebrating a touchdown, I've uh, I've hated Eagles fans with a burning passion. So I'm going to go, you know, Giants-Eagles, not only for the fact that the players have not liked each other in forever, you know, the fan Philadelphia fans are just toxic in general. I I don't think if – you, if you're a – sports fan everybody hates philadelphia fans they're just there's something about them that just makes you want to hate them and i think the fans that show up to those giants games really irk me and i i think that's why i had to put them there and you know they've had a couple moments you know deshaun jackson punt return yeah so don't let that down yeah so uh <laughs> you know you know some moments that the eagles you know got to go their way but 
you know, Eagles, Giants, no one, they don't like each other at all. The Eagles tanked their game week 17. So the Giants couldn't make the playoffs. So, you know, Eagles, please don't ever do that again. Like, please. Oh, if they have the opportunity, that that is definitely happening again. I, I, I know. I would bet I my life if they get put in that scenario, they're they're walking out like 92-year-old Fran Tarkin did to try to, you know, beat the Redskins again. Or, sorry, the football team. <laughs> Hunter, your favorite rivalry? I'm going to take a little bit different approach to this because mine really isn't – it can't be called a rivalry because it's pretty much just a beatdown constantly again. Oh, uh, it's going to be Jets-Patriots. Oh, all right. Because, like, as a Jets fan – I really don't hate like that many sports team. Like as a Yankee fan, I don't like the Red Sox, but like I don't mind them. But I cannot stand seeing the Patriots win. It just happened time and time again. And it every time they just came out on top. It was Tom Brady, like I really was rooting for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But for me, it's just how much do you hate the other team more than like is it competitive at all? Cause it's just not. But, well, Bear, I think there's a certain element of competitiveness. I mean, you've got the 2010 playoffs. Jets snuck out a win uh, with a Santonio Holmes miraculous cool. catch from uh, Mark Sanchez. Oh, Sean Green went for a touchdown. We won that game. Ended up losing to the Steelers, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, shout out Justin Herbert. 2016 no season, uh, we play the, uh, play the Patriots again, or 2015 season, sorry. Uh, Brandon Marshall with a pair of touchdowns in that game, I believe. And an Eric Decker touchdown in the back of the end zone. Sends us off to week 17 with a uh, win and you're in situation. Lost that one again. But I think that, uh, you know, against the, against the Patriots, the Jets seem to act like they want to play hard. There's some games that you, you think of that you really just can't put your mind around, like butt fumble game, which gets overhyped, but it is what it is. Uh, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts on the sideline. I was at that game, and I'm sitting with my dad, and I, I, I tell him the notification, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. And the fans in the stands were kind of, like, horrified. Like, we were seeing our own ghosts. Just like, like, you can't even imagine it. It was such an odd feeling. It was, it was so quiet and there's dopey Patriot fans everywhere. And you know, the one thing that really pisses me off with Patriot fans and like the stadium in general, that stupid horn that goes off every time it's third down at Gillette stadium. Bear, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my God. I want to die. I hate it. I hate it. They just, they're unbearable. They are. They're worse than Eagles fans. You know who's underratedly bad, though, in terms of fans? Browns fans are under, underratedly annoying. There's no, a I lot. like Browns fans. No, They're no, no, Bear. I went to a Monday Night Football game. Uh, it was Jets-Browns, uh, I think. Luke Falk. Luke, Luke Falk, Falk game. Yeah, the Luke Falk game. Some dopey Browns fan, like, in the third quarter. Like, we're the Jets are down 30. He's 12 beers deep. Is shouting at the top of his lungs to put Odell Beckham back in the game. Like, just, like, stupid <laughs> moments like that, I don't know, just kind of annoy me. Boston fans as well, so Patriots, but also, you know, you got Celtics fans. Red Sox fans are known for being racist towards the players, uh, if you heard that oh, Tory wow. Hunter story. So, I just, uh, there's some fan bases out there. I guess you could say New York fan bases are annoying. You can't forget New York. But, uh, you know, we're New York fan, uh, we're a New York fan base yourself, so we're not going to include ourselves. We're, we're angels, I think, compared to these other teams. But, uh, I think that I think that'll wrap up today's episode. Like we said, we're always on that forty-minute Zoom meeting curriculum, so we have to follow by that, unfortunately, until we figure out another way. Um, but that's going to end it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, follow, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Rush Hour Sports Pod, our TikTok as well. Uh, big shout out to everybody who's been listening and everybody who's giving support, and shout out to uh, Sportica Gallagher for allowing us to announce the winner today. Uh, that's going to help us out greatly. Um, so I just like to say thank you to you guys and uh, have a good one. Bye.